You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. That's right. Mahalo. Aloha. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ahui hoy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Wow. That's the greatest bongo player ever. Johnny Dandy Rodriguez. 30 years played with Tito Puente. And Tito Puente's dad was the foreman at at a razor blade company. Can you imagine? Today's topic is a fascinating one for me. A few years back, I met a man named Todd Green. He came to visit me sculpting in Manhattan Beach. And at the time, believe it or not, I was sculpting a bald-headed man, which is actually still at my studio on the Walk Street in Manhattan Beach. You can feel the top of that spherical head, which was ironic. But Todd Green told me that he started a company for men like him and men like me who wanted to shave their head to be like Michael Jordan and not and not have that bald-looking head with some hair still remained, but to take it all off. But Todd Green wanted to do it where the user of the razor blade could have more control than just holding the shaft of the razor. He realized that when you cup your hands, it becomes like a hemisphere, and it's a perfect match of a ball and socket, if you will, to put the razor on the tips of your finger on a ring. And that way you can cup your hand and elegantly and smoothly, using one hand to guide you and the other hand to gently shave the hair off your head. Got a patent on it, started a company, and I couldn't wait to have him on the show. And he did. It's been a few years, so I decided to call him and see if he would come on again because I knew he was working on a new razor for women. So I called the number, Todd Green and my contacts, and someone answered the phone, but it wasn't Todd Green. He said, how can I help you? I said, I'm looking for Todd Green. What are you doing on his phone? And he said to me, Well, I guess you didn't know, Dr. Clapper, but Todd Green passed away of cancer. And I was just devastated to hear that. And I said to him, I still want to talk about this innovation that he has. And at 8.15, we're going to be hearing from Brandon Finn, who's the head of marketing for Headblade and the new innovations, particularly the razor that they have for women. But I really wanted to spend today's show talking about a guy like you and me who one day decided I'm going to change the world with an innovation. These are the folks I love to talk about. So let's go to the beginning of why we shave our head. It's not a fashion statement as much as it speaks to that person to have control over how they look. Control. And when Michael Jordan says, the reason I shaved my head is because I didn't have a choice. That's him saying, I'm not going to let my genetics dictate what I look like. Listen to Keenan Ivory Waynes interviewing Michael Jordan, who comes on stage dressed like a million dollars. But listen to when he says, nice haircut. I love this interview. Let's hear it. You look, you look as sharp as ever. Thank you. I appreciate it. You, you, made, you made me dress up today. You look real nice. Well, you know, I, 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 had, to, I had to hang. Nice haircut. <laughs> nice haircut, he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you sort of set that off. I did. How did I get to set it Well, off? because once you shaved your head, a whole lot of other people started following. Well, I mean, it was being done before me. Slick Watch, you remember no, Slick Watch? No, that's true. That's I mean, true. Lou Gossett, but Lou Gossett, all these guys had bald heads before right, me. But, so, but you made no, it look. Don't put that on no, me. No, 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 no. You made it look fly. 
Well, See, I, mean, yeah, a lot of, I didn't you, have a choice. Well, neither did I, but you gave that's what I'm saying. It's like, I sat back, I went, well... Let's see, Michael looks all right. Maybe, maybe. Don't you love it? I didn't have a choice. And he means it. So you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. Where do you see innovation in dealing with a sphere? Using two hands, using your fingertips. Ah, this was a lot of fun to put together today's show. Let's go to my favorite bowler of all time. It's a sphere. You're holding it with your fingertips but you're controlling it with both hands. The world of bowling. Dick Weber, the greatest of all time. Let's listen to number 11 of why he was the greatest. I believe Dick Weber to be the greatest bowler of all times, but it's not because of his singular accomplishments, the fact that he was bowler of the year on four different occasions, or that he was recognized as the greatest athlete in America two different times, or the fact that he's in the PBA and the ABC Hall of Fame. What separates Dick from the rest is the fact that he's done it for five decades. He beat Don Carter, Carmen Salvino, Marshall Holman, Mark Roth, Earl Anthony, and even today's kids. He's beat those guys in their prime, and he's still doing it today. This is what makes Dick truly the greatest bowler of all time. And another bald-headed guy, Kelly Slater, did the same thing in surfing. Let's get into the thought process of why I think shaving your head and dealing with a sphere with control is like the world of bowling, innovating how you actually knock those pins down with that sphere you're holding in your hand. Let's go to number one. Since I started bowling, many aspects of the game have changed. Things like lane construction and finishes and the way oil dressings are applied have made bowling a somewhat different game from what it was 40 or 50 years ago. And especially in the last decade, ball technology has changed dramatically. Yet in spite of all these changes, many recreational and league bowlers have altered their playing styles very little from the basics they learned in their first months of bowling. So he's telling us, you better keep innovating you better keep up with it get better don't just use the razor you use for your face on your head use a head blade to shave your head it's better because it deals with the contour of a sphere rather than your face number two learning the basics is of course important but even some of us veteran bowlers have had to go back now and then and revise some techniques we learned early on so we can continue to improve our games so even though you're an experienced bowler and maybe even a very accomplished bowler Let's head for the lanes and see what you can do to make yourself an even better bowler. You know, a lot of people have referred to me as something of a textbook-style bowler, and I think they mean that as a compliment. But no matter how good a teaching tool my style might be, there are many variations that also work well for many bowlers. Exactly, Dick Weber. Let's learn about the ball surface, the sphere itself, number three. For anybody who enjoys bowling enough to want to be good at it, there comes a time when you need your own ball. And when that time comes, you have a lot of choices to make. First, let's consider the ball's surface material, its cover stock. For beginners and many other recreational bowlers, a polyester ball is an excellent choice. They are relatively low-priced, and the bright colors and patterns of many of these balls have made them especially popular. As your skills become more advanced, you may want a ball that will allow you to create more hook. The surface of a urethane ball grips the lanes much better than a polyester ball increasing its hooking potential and its carrying power as the ball hits the pins. Grip, that's the key, dealing with the contour. The hook he's talking about is the spin you want to put on the ball. More spin, more violence, and therefore more strikes, if you will, success at bowling. Let's go to number six. The polyester bowling ball, uh, it's been around for 
maybe about 25 years, and uh, it, it tends not to hook quite as much. It's a little more durable, um, but you do get some type of uh, uh, benefit from the bowling ball rather than the old hard rubber ball that we used to all know and love. Um, it's more like for the bowler, I think, that's a, a little more fashion conscious because it comes in a lot of different colors, not so much for knocking down bowling pins. Um, the urethane ball, is uh, it costs a little more money, obviously, but you get a lot more performance out of the ball. But what's been the most exciting is the further innovation of the material. Number seven. Now, as far as the resin ball, that's probably the most exciting thing that's happened in bowling in a, you know, in a long time. Um, the ball hooks quite a bit more on the back end, and it's not so much the overall hook as it is the violent snap. And um, a lot of people love to see that ball hook. And because it snaps so much harder on the back end, the pins just... Um, race off the deck and so um, it's, it's caused a lot of people to improve their game just by getting a new bowling ball the bowlers often ignored are women bowlers they bowl also women also need a razor to shave maybe not their head but their legs why not innovate for them as well and that's what headblade is doing but let's listen to pro bowler layla wagner talk about how the innovation in the resin in the ball helps women number eight i think the cover stock in the bowling ball has uh really taken the game by storm. It's, it's helped a lot of women because it enables them to get uh, better carry. The plastic balls used to just slide longer and a woman has a tendency really not to turn the ball, say, as much as a man or get as many rotations so it's not going to grab the lane and hit as hard. If you get something that's going to grab the lane a little bit more with the cover stock of a urethane or even a resin now, uh, these balls have really, really helped an average bowler and especially a woman bowler. Todd Green realized you were now putting the razor on the fingertips, giving you more control. Same thing for bowling. Number nine. How you grip your bowling ball will have a major effect on your ability to control the ball's motion as it travels down the lane. Basically, there are two types of grip, the conventional and the fingertip. The conventional grip is best if you're a beginner or a recreational bowler. With the conventional grip, the ball is drilled so the middle finger and ring finger are placed into the holes up to the second joint. The thumb is placed all the way into the thumb hole. The fingertip grip is for more experienced bowlers. This is a grip that allows you to generate more ball rotation at the release and create hook. The ring and middle fingers are inserted in the holes up to the first joint. The thumb goes fully into the thumb hole. And again, women, they need more control. Use just the fingertips. Let's listen to Layla Wagner, finally number 10. I use a relaxed fingertip. Uh, the difference between a relaxed fingertip and a full fingertip is in a full fingertip grip, you're completely um, maximizing your hand potential. The relaxed fingertip, your hand is just like it says, relaxed in the bowling ball. This way you have more control, and I find it more beneficial for a player with a very small hand or for a woman. And now let's go to the world of music and art. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh my God, that's amazing! Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. With hair on top of my head. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Ah, welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Listening to the handiwork, the Bangasora, probably the greatest bongo player living today. 
the great Johnny Dandy Rodriguez. The subtleties of how he is doing this, the feel, using his two hands on the skin of the bongo, a legend. By the way, we're going to get into food, my favorite sphere in food. The genius that she is, is at a donut shop, and the sphere is called a donut hole, glazed perfectly. You pop one of these things in your mouth, this is not something you take two bites with. This is a one pop in your mouth, greatest sphere you'll ever eat, and I'll tell you where that is a little later in the show. That'll be the food item about today's topic, which is the control over a sphere. Just like shaving your head, as Michael Jordan says, I had no choice. The sphere and its control in art, in sports, and in surgery. That's what we're talking about today. Let's listen to Johnny Dandy Rodriguez talking about how he progressed. The topic is the head blade, the innovation in the new razor to shave your head. How did Johnny Dandy Rodriguez progress in his chosen field of bongo playing. He played natural skins his whole life, but he had no choice. He had to go with the future technology. Let's listen to number one. Audience, my name is John Danny Rodriguez. I was fortunate to be able to start playing bongos with Tito Fuentes Band in 1962. I was 17 years old, and I've been playing nonstop ever since. Well, right now I'm playing uh, LP bongos, pretty standard bongos. And uh, in this last year, I've become a true believer in uh, plastic heads, synthetic heads. I used to only want to play real skins. Now uh, I found uh, a couple of skins that I love and to me sound as good or better than most uh, 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 real skins. And number two? I like the look of it. It looks uh, a lot like the way... When I was coming up and I used to see bongos come from Cuba, it would mount the heads uh, uh, very similar to, to this look, which I love. I don't like the look of a stretched out skin. I think the skins sound better this way. They're not so pulled, they're not, they haven't been pulled so, so much. And number three? You know, because like I said, you can have this beautiful looking skin. If you don't tune it even with love, it's not going to sound the same. Okay, you have to be careful. You have to, you must, if you're going to do two turns at one time, do two turns over here, do two turns over here. I've seen many a kid on uh, gigs that I play with or other bands, and they'll do four turns here, one here, and five here, and that's exactly what it sounds like. Mush. <laughs> and they're never going to get the true, true note of something that's, that's pulling one on one side more than, more than the other. And finally, from the man himself, number four. I was a purist. I would never, ever, years ago, play a plastic head. I used to swear by real skins, but time to change, and things have changed. It's 2007, and this bongo head, I mean, it's smoking, it's slamming. And that's what this is all about. It is the simple act of shaving your head with a razor, but you innovate, and that's what head blade is. It is the simple fact of throwing a ball down a lane, but you innovate with the grip with the material of the ball to increase the spin, to give you more control. I really wanted to appreciate what exactly Dandy Rodriguez was doing. And so we have an amazing analysis of his work. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Well, your ears don't hear what the mind doesn't know of exactly what he's doing to make him the greatest bongo player. So here's Eric Perez talking about what the magic is, the technique, the style, the feel 
and what makes Johnny Dandy Rodriguez the greatest bongo player? Let's go to number one. So the reason why Johnny Danny Rodriguez is probably one of the most suggested bongoceros that people ask me to cover is because he does deserve that type of respect, man. Been playing for over 40 years. He was one of the first endorsers for LP. Not the first. But he was playing LP before LP was LP. So it's kind of crazy that this guy that kind of was on the scene, learning from the street and learning from, you know, what we call El Barrio. It just is just beautiful to see how much of a pedestal he has and how much you could say respect he has amongst other percussionists. You know, the bongo comes from Cuba. This instrument, there are two of them. One is the male drum. The other is the female drum. One is called the embra. That's the bigger drum. And Johnny Dandy Rodriguez, he has a special feel. This is what Eric Perez is teaching us. Number two. I was a huge fan of his bongos, which is part of the reason why I got this model, which is a nine inch embra, very old school. And if you look at his series, when it comes to LP, he has that nine inch embra. And it's just beautiful, man. When you can have that kind of sound, it fits kind of like his personality when he plays. And if you ever pay attention to how he plays, man, talk about feel. Let's listen to what it is that he does special. Number three. He does this solo and the way he's playing and the way he's kind of presenting it, the way he cuts through is not a game, man. It's not a game. How well he's able to cut through, especially when he does like his left hits. My goodness. It's like, to me, that's probably his most iconic, I would say, sound. The way he's able to just project that left hand. Woo! You hold the razor in one hand, but you got to feel the sphere of your skull with the other hand. Just like playing the bongos. Number four. And it's crazy how he's able to get this sound off, just off his fingertips. Crazy. It's crazy how he's able to project and cut through so well, just off a single stroke, man. And that just goes by experience. That just goes by maybe times that, because, you know, they don't give us mics. You know, they don't give percussionist mics here and there. So uh, maybe because of that, he's been able to develop such a pure sound, such a projecting sound that's able to cut through in almost anything that he's playing. The fingertip, it's the key in how to hold that bowling ball. It's the key to Johnny Dandy Rodriguez playing the bongos. It's the key in any time you're working a sphere. Two hands, but mostly it's the fingertips. And here's my favorite part, finally. Sliding the palm and the thumb. Sliding across the lane of the bowling alley. Sliding that razor across your head like Michael Jordan. Number seven. Basically, what he kind of does is kind of that palm movement that he's doing on a martillo, like if you're doing a regular martillo, like. But what he's going to do, though, is he's going to tap it with his thumb and then use that motion to go to his left hand and do another accented open. All right. So it's going to sound like this. So to put everything together up to this point, it's going to sound like this. Mm. What a beautiful analysis of something that you take for granted, but it comes from control, embracing the new technology. That's what Headblade did. That's what Michael Jordan did for us. And that's what Johnny Dandy Rodriguez is doing, along with Dick, Dick Weber, the bowler. It's a crazy topic. I get it. But there's something to it. How to work a sphere, how to control it. Fascinating. Fascinating in surgery as well. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877. 710 ESPN. 
And I'm going to take you into the operating room coming up next as well. The most interesting case that I did this week was removing 30-year-old staples in an ACL reconstruction done 30 years ago, and the patient now needed a knee replacement. How I got those staples out, embedded in bone, I'll explain. It's fascinating. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's a junior super deluxe. you got to be kidding me. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ding, dang, dong. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, welcome back, Weekend Warriors. One of my favorite salsa songs of all time, called Elia Fue. These are the Fania All-Stars. In New York, the Puerto Rican influence is huge in everything. Food, music, but those bongos that the Fania All-Stars are using, they come from Cuba. Cuba is actually the source of the bongo drums. And that's why we're talking about Johnny Dandy Rodriguez and his use of two hands and fingertips. Everything that you need to shave your head, bowl like Dick Weber. What an interesting week I had this week. But before we get into it, I do want to dedicate today's show to someone that I got to meet because I am an orthopedic surgeon for 31 years and had the pleasure of helping him out. And that was Carl Reiner. And I'll never forget taking care of him and his and his wife. And as he was leaving my office, if you ever came to my office, you can look online at the website and see the sculptures I love to do in marble with a hammer and a chisel, trying to be like Michelangelo, <laughs> using the stone that he used, using the hammer and the chisel he used. And my office is filled with sculptures that I've done in the waiting room. And I'll never forget after I saw Carl Reiner, he said, thank you very much, Dr. Clapper. And by the way, he stops, he turns around, he says to me, keep potchking with that marble. And it was such a beautiful thing to hear from him. He really appreciated the sculptures that I did because he was an artist, 98 years old. What a great, good, long life he's had. And what a kind and gentle soul. May he rest in peace. What a great man, Carl Reiner. All right, today, this week, I, I want to get into some of the surgeries that I did just to teach you a little bit about what it's like for me to use two hands and my fingertips in the world of surgery. But I had a most interesting experience this week. In between my surgeries, I usually do four Wednesdays and six on Fridays. But this week, I, in between cases, I was walking uh, outside of my operating room while they were setting up for the next surgery. And I look into this one room and the light in the room was green. Not light that you can't really appreciate other than it's dark versus light. The color of the lights was green. So this is a green room that I'm looking into in the operating room. Never seen that before. So I quietly walked into the back of the operating room and noticed that it's a friend of mine. He's a general surgeon named Dr. Neil Joshi. Terrific surgeon and a terrific person. What a great, sweet personality he has in bedside manner. If you ever need your hernia done or a general surgeon, he's just terrific. And I said to him, why are the lights green in this room? He said, well, I'm doing, you know, I love Michelangelo. Well, the other contemporary in 1500, 
was Leonardo da Vinci. He's using a device, a robot called the da Vinci to do a hernia. And he said, the reason we have the lights green is because we're looking intently in these three-dimensional screens. And it's more comforting to be with green light than regular lighting. Really? And I just could not believe he's sitting, not scrubbed, in the corner of the room behind this huge machine, which costs $2 million. The patient is on the table under anesthesia with the robotic arms using essentially chopsticks. But the tip of the chopstick can be changed from being something to hold sutures so you can sew things together versus a scissor to cut something versus a tool that allows you to cauterize any bleeding versus another tool which lets you grasp the tissue itself. So he's sitting in one corner of the room and the robot is over the patient with anesthesia in the other side of the room. And the biggest advantage, it's not really necessary in my opinion, in orthopedics, but in general surgery where you're working or even urology down in the pelvis itself, where your fingers literally might be too big to get to these spaces, but a chopstick could get to that space, you're able to work in an area as though your fingers wore these chopsticks. It was without a doubt one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. And that's really what I'd love to talk about today. How to make whatever it is that you do better, even the simple things, like taking a razor to shave your head. Todd Green came up with the idea of putting that razor blade on your fingertip, not holding a handle, but actually making it part of your finger so that you can touch and feel and work the sphere of your head in a better way. And to have people amongst us who think about innovating in art, in music, in surgery, is without a doubt one of the greatest things we can do. I then went and did my surgery on a patient who had his ACL fixed 30 years ago with the older technology. You know how we gripped tissue and pulled it back into place and held it there 30 years ago? We drove a staple just like you put that tar paper up on your roof with a staple gun or you staple two pieces of paper together. That's the technology, is to drive this metal hook staple into the bone. It worked in a way. It worked. It did its job. Not great, but it did its job. But can you imagine 30 years later, now that the knee became arthritic, doesn't straighten all the way, doesn't bend all the way, crooked as a pretzel, and now I'm in charge of returning it to a normal range of motion. I got to remove these staples because they're in the way. But after 30 years, what do you think has happened? Bone has grown over the staple. You can't really just pull it out with a staple remover. And it was so beautiful for me to hear the voice of my father, the carpenter, believe it or not, in the back of my head telling me, Robbie, let the tool do the work. As I use a high-speed drill, as I use chisels, delicately trying to not crack the bone, but to get around the overgrown bone around the staple, to elegantly be able to remove it and be able to put in a device that is so elegant, titanium, high-density polyethylene plastic, to allow the patient to go from barely being able to walk to play tennis and ski, but it's all predicated getting that staple out without injuring the bone around it. It was a great week in surgery, so much fun, and I got to tell you about where the sphere and food is, the donut hole, 
I'll get into that coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Thanks so much for listening each and every Saturday. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You're listening to the bongo playing of Dandy Rodriguez. The song is Para Todo El Mundo, Rumba. That was fantastic. Welcome back to the show, the Weekend Warriors show. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Last week, I talked about the innovation where big tears in the rotator cuff. I do a lot of shoulder surgery. And that I did not have to open this particular patient's shoulder, which is what I've traditionally done in these massive big tears where a person comes to me with pain and they can't lift their arm up anymore. And if the MRI shows that the that the tear, the rip over the sphere, speaking of spheres today, Speaking of shaving your head and Dick Weber, the bowler and Johnny Dandy Rodriguez, but I deal with a sphere all the time when I do hip surgery and shoulder surgery because it's a sphere I'm working on. But it's in essence, a rotator cuff tear is if you've got a guy who's bald who decides to wear a toupee and it's windy. Let's use Howard Cosell as an example. He is a guy who was bald who loved to wear a toupee. And if the wind comes up, guess what happens? That rug on top of his head slides. That's exactly what a rotator cuff looks like. It's the toupee and the cartilage of the ball of the ball and soccer joint of the humeral head is the bald head. And you don't want to see any scalp when you got a toupee on, right? But if it slides in the wind, are you going to come up with a better way to bolt the toupee to your head? That's in essence, is a clapper vision for you of what I as a surgeon am trying to do. I'm trying to tie down the toupee so it covers the bald head with all kinds of innovative ideas from drilling into the bone and then passing sutures through the drill holes in the bone. The problem with that is that the sharp edge of the bone would cause the sutures to tear and it would fail. So the innovation has been to actually have an anchor, a metal threaded anchor that I can drill into the skull, into the bone, and stitches are coming out of that anchor. And all I have to do now is get an empty needle, pass those sutures, sutures through that needle, and very elegantly just pass the stitches through the toupee and tie it back down to the skull. And again, last week I talked about the innovation of this device from Arthrex called a swivel lock, invented by our very own Dr. Neil Elitrosh here in Los Angeles. But I did it again this week. I had another patient, and I said, I'm not opening his shoulder. I'm going to do this with the new technology. And it was such a joy 
But it made me think, I need to teach the weekend warrior. The fact that the rotator cuff, those four muscles that left you, that let you lift that arm of yours above your head. You don't wake up one day and boom, you've lost your rotator cuff. I mean, unless you get thrown off a motorcycle or fall off a ladder. And I've seen plenty of people who woke up in the morning with a normal shoulder and traumatically ripped their rotator cuff right off the bone. Yes, it does happen, but it's that's probably in 10% of people. And the 90 other people out of 100, it's a slow, steady burn of demise. The stages of the damage to the rotator cuff muscle is just that. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens in stages. And if the patient is in tune enough with their body to feel the shoulder pain and not just plod right through it, and I can examine them and get an MRI and see that I'm catching the damage earlier in the game, well, guess what? Then I can get rid of the spur that's digging into the rotator cuff, causing the fraying, causing the early tearing, causing the partial tearing. If I can get to it before it becomes a full thickness tear, then you get to go home with a sling and moving your arm right away. And you will no longer need shoulder surgery because you're, you're nipping it in the bud. You're actually getting to the spur before it does worse damage. And you listen to the show enough and you hear me rant and rave about don't have a cortisone shot. This is exactly why I hate cortisone shots. Other than the fact that it's toxic to the articular cartilage, it damages the good stuff that you have as well. But in essence, the cortisone will take your pain away because it makes you feel numb. So you no longer have that feeling of pain, which is a good thing. But here's the problem. You still have bone spur. It's still digging into the tendon. And six months or a year or three years later, you're going to now end up in my office because your shoulder pain came back going, hey, can't you give me another shot like someone else gave me and I got three years of pain relief? No, because you are in my office because it hurts again. And now look at the MRI. You went from having just a scratch to the tendon due to the spur to actually now having a hole in the tendon due to the spur because you continued to use it without pain but the damage was further going along. So there is a method to the madness of what I'm describing. And it's not like I came up with it. The surgeon, the orthopedic surgeon, the shoulder maven who came up with this was 70 years ago. And I was very fortunate in medical school at Columbia to spend a a rotation in orthopedics with you talk about the the Thomas Edison, the Steve Jobs of shoulder surgery. Dr. Job out here in Los Angeles was great. I couldn't wait to be his fellow. But before there was a Frank Job, the man who really started it all was named Charles Near, N-E-E-R, Charlie Near. And he's the man who I got to spend time with as a medical student in the early 80s. Actually, 1980, how long was 40 years ago? Oh, my God. But he is the one who in the 50s 
describe the stages that the rotator cuff goes through in its demise, that it begins as a spur tickling and scratching the tendon below it to a bigger spur doing more damage going 50% through the tendon, stage two, versus a stage three where it's now a full thickness tear. So remember, if it sounds too good to be true, here, let me give you a pill, let me give you a shot, and you're going to feel great forever. You better learn from me. Be a skeptical New Yorker. Run as fast as you can from that person. Because nothing in life is worth anything. Uh, the quick fix usually ends up in disaster. So although the pain relief is great, and if you have an event you got to get through, yeah, you can have a shot. But you should always ask, what are the side effects? And when someone says there are none, trust me, there are. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. Stories of an innovation that Michael Jordan has led us all as we lose our hair to say, no, we're not going to take it anymore. I'm going to shave my head. But I have embraced the use of the head blade. And we'll get into controlling a sphere with your two hands and fingertips in art, in sports, and in surgery. Where else but the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.